Welcome to the Moving Markets podcast on Wednesday, the 5th of April, with me, Bernadette Anderko. Today, I'm joined by Lizia Chachulovic, who's going to fill us in on the highlights of the market action overnight. And then the head of Julius Baer's fixed income research team, Marcus Allensbach, is going to be joining me to discuss bond markets and whether or not he thinks we're facing a credit crunch. But first, let's start with an update from the markets. Good morning, Lucia. Hi, Bernadette. I'm sure we've all seen the Donald Trump headlines this morning, but I have to believe that there's more to focus on than the arrest of a former president going on in the US last night, Lucia. Yes, there is. Well, in stock markets, US stocks halted a four-day winning streak yesterday as investors sold off bank equities after a gauge of financial heavyweights fell the most in almost two weeks. Additionally, broader economic concerns continue to weigh on the equity markets. More specifically, the latest job openings report for February showed that the number of available positions fell below 10 million for the first time in nearly two years, indicating some cooling in the labour market. So does the drop in job openings suggest that the Federal Reserve will soon wrap up its tightening campaign? Well, that's what the market thought yesterday. However, comments from Federal Reserve Bank of Cleveland President Loretta Mester suggested otherwise. She stated that policymakers should raise their benchmark interest rate above 5% this year and keep it at a restrictive level for some time to keep inflation in check, with the exact level depending on how quickly price pressures ease. And talking about rates, just quickly, it is interesting to note here that Treasuries actually underwent one of the most turbulent quarters in Q1 this year. Okay, so moving away from the US then, what happened in Asia-Pacific overnight? So Asia-Pacific markets were trading mixed today as concerns persist over the path of global monetary policy and the health of US banks. But making big news overnight was New Zealand, where the central bank raised interest rates by 50 basis points, which was more than the expected 25 basis points. The New Zealand dollar rallied, jumping to the highest level since mid-February, and the nation's stocks retreated as a result. The nation's two-year government bond yields also surged. Okay, so we've covered the US and Asia. Have you got anything else to report on? Anything on commodities, perhaps? So in commodities, oil extended its rally with West Texas Intermediate rising past 81 US dollar a barrel. Oil's been rising on the back of the surprise output cut by the OPEC Plus and by a report that showed that US crude stocks fell, but we are awaiting the official inventory report later today. Gold, meanwhile, extended its gains yesterday and crossed the key 2000 US dollar level. And Bitcoin held up well and is currently trading at around 28,500 US dollar. Thank you. So, uh, what can we expect for the day ahead? So, in Europe, stocks may struggle for traction as concerns over US banks linger, but futures are currently nicely in the green. Yesterday, stocks were closed. Um, stocks here closed slightly lower as the oil and gas sector gave up some gains. Key data today are services and composite PMI data for countries including France, Germany and Italy. In the US, traders are expecting the latest ADP private payrolls report, where economists polled by Dow Jones are expecting a rise of 210,000 jobs in March, down from an increase of 242,000 in the previous month. And finally, the latest reading of the ISM Services Index is also set to release. Economists are forecasting a reading of 54.3, down slightly from 55.1 in the previous release. Thank you for the markets wrap and indeed the heads up for what's to come, Lucia. 
Next, I'm joined by Marcus Allensbach, our Head of Fixed Income Research. Good morning, Marcus. Good morning, Bernadette. So, Marcus, a lot's been written these days about the stress in the US banking system. How relevant is this, in your view, for the economy and for bondholders? Well, Bernadette, what we see are the late effects of the combination of financial repression and a very generous fiscal boost we have seen in 2020-2021. Remember, the households got a lot of money they didn't spend because of the supply chain disruptions. So the money ended up with the deposits of the banks. They went up from 13 to $18 trillion in no time. So banks had a huge extra deposits to work with in an environment of very low rates. What happened is, in particular, the small banks that are less regulated, as we have learned by now, they use the money either to really give out generous credits to the industry, for which they were praised for quite a long time, and they also use the money to buy long-dated securities. In a time the Federal Reserve itself was telling no rate hike until the end of 22. Remember where we are now. So what we are seeing are these late effects. Now, interest rates have risen, so these long security holdings make a loss. And, of course, they have given credit out very generously, and now they sit with a lot of credit risk. But, again, that's for the small bank. The large banks, they have been subject to the regular stress test. They have been much more disciplined, and they didn't have the freedom to do with the extra money what they wanted. So there is a lot of risk with the small banks. Your mantra, uh, Marcus, has been to position for rate cuts with quality bonds. Has this strategy been reinforced by these events? Indeed, uh, Bernadette. We said that uh, we expect the Federal Reserve to cut rates as inflation will slow and the economy cools. And of course, this tightening of credit conditions, that's a logical consequence of the events right now that fosters the slowing of the US economy. And don't forget, when we said we like quality bonds, we indirectly said we are afraid of defaults in the speculative grade area. And remember, there are a lot, a lot, one out of five companies in the US in the high yield index is generating losses. In the past, in the environment of low interest rates, it was easy for these companies to refinance. But now the banks are struggling with higher refinancing costs themselves, which they have to pass on their credit loan rates. And so refinancing will get very, very complicated. So we keep our tilt for quality, reduce high yield exposure, and it's getting more and more likely the Fed has to cut rates down the road. So we position for rate cuts with quality bonds. So uh, stepping back a moment, we're witnessing the unwinding of the financial repression and seeing the long-term damage of this strategy coming to the surface now in the form of unrealized losses in bank securities holdings and a riskier loan book for smaller banks. That then is the situation in the US. But Marcus, financial repression has been more extreme in Europe. So do we have to expect even more of a credit crunch here? Yeah, you could expected the surface to have even more problems of European banks, because in Europe, the financial repression has been much more extreme, as you rightly pointed out. Remember, in the US, the Fed cut rates only to zero in Europe. We had negative deposit rates. And with the extreme quantitative easing, the ECB was pushing the German yield curve into negative territory. And at the low point, the average yield of European corporate bonds was a mere 0.26%. 
0.26% for corporate credit risk and duration risk. Hey, that's where we are coming from. But having said so, on the banking side, we don't expect these problems we see in the US. In Europe, regulation has been much more tight, disciplined, and covering much more of the banking sector than in the US. So I think uh, these problems in the banking sector, that's more of a US speciality. The results of this easing of the regulations 2018 in the Consumer Protection Act of former President Trump, and not a problem of the European banks. For European banks, we still feel pretty safe. So if I followed your argument correctly, you would stick to the recommendation to add quality bonds in Europe? Exactly. We like quality bonds for the reasons I mentioned. We think there is more to come in terms of defaults in the speculative grade area. So stick to quality, stick to duration, because we believe this credit tightening as a consequence of the banking events that's going to allow, or you could also say push, central banks to ease sooner rather than later. So I like still quality, I like duration, and I would stick to this recommendation, yes. That's great. Thank you so much, Marcus. Well, this brings us to the end of today's podcast. Please tune in again tomorrow when Helen will be back and she'll get insights into the key stories in the commodity sector, as well as the thinking from our latest investment committee meeting from our guests. Good luck today and goodbye for now. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. Please refer to www.juliasbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further other important legal information. Beyond Markets is a weekly podcast where Julius Bear experts and external speakers discuss some of the latest market developments. They share their key research and insights on today's ever-changing economic landscape and present practical advice. Search for Beyond Markets on your favourite podcast player.